contested three-point shot straight on. Bledsoe three. Bam! Big-time basketball player here. Bledsoe driving again. Eric Bledsoe with 37. Get out of his way. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to this edition of Bucking the Trend Podcast. I'm Andrew Goodman, host. Oh, fucking a five, <laughs> <laughs> five, four, three, two, one. What's going on, everyone? And welcome to this edition of Bucking the Trend Podcast. I'm Andrew Goodman, co-hosting as always with the Dylan Piccolo. And Dylan, I hope you are well rested. Unlike the Milwaukee Bucks, who just pretty much had some dead legs yesterday against the Spurs it looked like yes there was there was no legs uh all chest no legs I believe as a great rapper once said that name is escaping me at that's this a, point that's a great reference I love it. <laughs> it was it was uh the Bucks were kind of playing with all chest no legs last night and uh it came definitely into fruition in the second half where the the wheels fell off in the third quarter um losing it by uh, ten points, which kind of set them apart, but it was it was definitely the late game. Yeah, it was actually a one fourteen one twenty one Spurs victory, but you know the Bucks scored some garbage time buckets to narrow the deficit. It was really all San Antonio in the second half. And give me one word to describe Pau Gasol's performance yesterday against the Spurs. Bre- breathtaking <laughs> for all the for all the wrong reasons. Um, you know, I. I think I hope the fans were excited there to see for that 14 minutes Powell was in. I'm not sure how many was against LaMarcus Aldridge. But the fans basically paid to watch uh, Spurs practice a couple months ago, essentially, um, with Pau Gasol hey, and LaMarcus right. Aldridge there. So um, didn't quite get their money's worth on that end, uh, unless, I guess, you're a Spurs fan, which the game was in San Antonio, so that makes sense. But, yeah, it was it was brutal. Um and that's kind of one of the overarching themes that Bucks Twitter has kind of been debating today uh, and last night and kind of the last week is DJ Wilson. Um, a DNP, even though Ersan Ilyasova was also DNP uh, due to rest, obviously. There's nothing wrong with him at this point that um, has come out. But Pau Gasol gets those minutes. DJ Wilson uh, stays right in the pine. Um, despite his poor shooting in the month of February – um, in his non-existent March so far, he's just fallen off the cliff in terms of Mike Budenholzer's mind. Yeah, um, really, and since Mayertich came on, it's a little, it's a little befuddling for sure. But I think DJ Wilson's actually, I don't think I'm affirmative that DJ Wilson's lack of playtime the last few weeks can be attributed to a struggle from the field. Would you agree with that? Yeah, no, that's that's 100%. He has he did not he does not have that same uh 
impact that he did uh, in the first couple of months when he was really jumping on the scene uh, after the year. But I think it's kind of interesting. We're kind of learning a little bit about Budenholzer, I think, um, in terms of the playoffs. What is he going to do in terms of the playoffs? Uh, you know, you, you can't put Pau Gasol out there like you did last night. You're not going to win many games, even even though the Bucks had tired legs. Yeah, I, I think that that could be a big problem. I mean, you know, Pau's – I thought this was going to be more of a kind of last ride kind of thing for Pau Gasol. And over the last couple of days, I mean, could be Budenholzer trying to, you know, conserve some minutes by playing him more. But I don't know. <laughs> I love the Pau Gasol acquisition, but sort of from a distance where I think he brings a lot to the table obviously in terms of veteran leadership and his presence in the locker room and chemistry and all that. But I really wasn't expecting him to play, you know, the sort of minutes he did on Sunday night against the Spurs. I mean, 15 minutes, three points, he was, you know, minus 20. It's just awful. And I mean, when he was playing that bad, I honestly thought that uh, Budenholzer was going to call DJ Wilson in, but, you know, I'm really surprised that he didn't. I'm a little disappointed, honestly. Because DJ yeah. Wilson, he'll make mistakes on offense and on defense, but his versatility to defend, you know, and Gasol's still not quite familiar with uh, the Bucs system. And he was playing a little too deep on the drop coverage yesterday, which was allowing a ton of easy Spurs floaters in the lane. So it was uh, how you described it. It was a beautiful, beautiful disaster for Pau Gasol. Yeah, no, I agree. And I just also want to say that this team is still kind of coming together and they're dealing with some injuries here that are are actually turning out to be really bad. Um, George, not like bad in terms of severity, but like impact in terms of bad. Uh, George Hill, his his absence has been really big. Um, and then Sterling Brown. I mean, Pau Gasol was your third most guy off the bench. Pat Connaughton was number one, and Miritich was number three. Those are three guys that either weren't on this team or have had really inconsistent minutes. Um, you know, so far this season. So they're kind of plugging in with guys that haven't necessarily had logged a lot of minutes with each other. And, you know, chemistry is definitely looked like it was in question a little bit last night. And it even has on the offensive and defensive end of the floor so far this since they've gotten Gasol and Miritich, um, you know, and obviously Sterling Brown's been out, George Hill's been out, and there has been some roster turnover throughout the season. So, you know, I think this team is, you know, obviously really good and they can win a lot of games like they did against Charlotte like that. But, you know, they're still getting used to each other. Yeah, exactly. I think you phrased it perfectly. This Bucks team really, I don't want to say they haven't been healthy all season, but they, when you look at it, they really have had at least one of two key guys out for an extended period like we're seeing with George Hill and now. Sterling Brown, I wonder how serious these ailments are if it's just, you know, the Bucks are 50. 50 and 17, 50 wins, obviously a huge deal for the Bucks. So I wonder if it's more maintenance and or rest or load management, something like that. I mean, I think obviously when you have a lead, um, the Bucks obviously don't have a substantial lead, but they're playing good and they don't have necessarily world beaters on the table coming up. Um, obviously before the San Antonio game. They didn't with Charlotte and San Antonio and the New Orleans um, tomorrow night. 
So I think the Bucks can maybe afford to lose a game or two because Toronto, I mean, they've been playing good, but they've been losing actually at the exact right time when the Bucks need them to. So yeah, that's been weird. working in their favor. Um, and, you know, I just think that this team has been playing fantastic basketball all season. And basketball is a game of runs both in the win column and on the court in day-to-day games. So, you know, are you going to expect a team that hasn't lost twice all season to to lose twice eventually. Yeah. And they did. And then are you expecting a team when they have injuries to their bench and they have three new players to struggle a little bit? Yeah. I mean, those are all things that are going to happen. There's nothing that's substantial about it. You have your starting five, which is probably the first or second best in the whole Eastern conference. So you're not really in too bad a shape there. some people on Twitter, you know, frustrated by this loss. You know, that goes without saying losing obviously isn't fun. But, you know, look at the circumstances. Bucks on a tough back-to-back. They got into San Antonio from like four in the morning. I don't like to coin the term scheduled loss, but this was about as scheduled loss as you could imagine. Even more so than that Boston-Miami back-to-back earlier. But obviously... Giannis was fantastic, 27 points, 13 rebounds, six assists, and no turnovers. And what did you, what did you see from Chris Middleton yesterday? Six of 15, 15 points, plus nine. He did contribute eight rebounds and four assists, but he did miss a lot of open shots. Yeah, I thought Chris had kind of just a game. Um, the legs were definitely there, uh, kind of on a lot of shots that I thought he um, would hit. I also thought maybe in the fourth quarter he had a run where he hit a couple buckets, and I thought he was going to maybe be the driving force to get the Bucks back into the game when they were kind of teetering around like 9 and 11 points with maybe like three or four minutes left to go. Chris Middleton had a couple shots, and he looked like he was starting to feel it a little bit. Um, but, it, you know, it was too late. Um, he, you know, the whole team was just dead. I mean, Malcolm Brogdon was 2 of 10 as well. He, he didn't have a great game. and yeah, Malcolm Brogdon 27. Yeah, team low, minus 27, and so that's really difficult for him, and he looked gassed, you could tell right from the beginning, because on a lot of his drives to the rim, he would miss it a little short or whatever, which is doesn't much cause a concern by any means, um, but, you know, I thought Middleton, I would have liked to see him kind of step up there, I mean, you saw Bledsoe have 21 on 9 of 13, and a really good game actually for Bledsoe, a six assist um, as well. Um, so I think it's kind of it speaks to an overarching theme that we've kind of seen this season kind of in the second half is Eric Bledsoe play. I mean, I think he's play, playing better than Middleton. So, I mean, maybe even so far this season, if you look at the totality of it, I, I maybe, maybe not quite from a statistics standpoint, but I mean, Bledsoe has been balling this season and I think he's definitely kind of been two A or B with Chris Middleton this season. Yeah, and I think Eric Bledsoe deserves more love for first team all defense, but there are just so many candidates at point guard that you know the field is yeah. just so incredibly deep. Yeah. But it's it's tough. I but Bledsoe's definitely held it down on the defensive end of the floor. I'm and you know talking about last night uh against the Spurs, you know, Brent Forbes and Derek White had 12 and 7, Marco Bellinelli had 16, and Patty Mills at 16. But those aren't really any huge numbers after a night of chasing Kemba Walker around, which is not easy by, you know, at all. He's He definitely moves uh, more than uh, most guards in the NBA 
Kemba Walker does. So good job by Bledsoe defensively last night. Oh, and on an unrelated note, we got some NFL breaking news here just to my phone that Tyran Matthew, three-year, $42 million deal with the Chiefs. Wow. That's a, that's a nice pickup for the Chiefs, actually. Yeah, they needed the, a second well, piece in their secondary. Well, they have Barry, right? They have Barry and Matthew now, so no flight zone. I'd love the future <laughs> of that team. But back to Bucks basketball here. I thought a positive development of any <laughs> – in the loss of the Spurs was Pat Connaughton. He made all five of his shots and all four of his threes. 14 Man. points, he was minus nine. But, you know, he's he's someone that has to hit shots, and that's going to become crucial whether he plays or not in the postseason. He's He's been very streaky thus far this season, and he was hot yesterday hitting all of his shots. Uh, I was watching the game with my roommates, actually, and I was just mentioning that he's – it's amazing that Pat Connaughton, you know, he's brought in this team to be a shooter and fill that void of shooting 29% on the season. So – you know, you haven't seen really that consistency, but you kind of, you know, bought low on Pat, and he's kind of been proven to be what he's worth, kind of an inconsistent, streaky shooter. But, you know, he gives you 14 on a night where you need bench points, and that's big. So if he can do that in the playoffs and contribute in the certain matchups, that's massive because he's another floor spacer, super athletic, um, and, you know, He's a nice piece. I, you know, I want to talk about the other super athletic guy on the bench, Dante DiVincenzo, who kind of saw his first extended minutes the last two games against Charlotte and San Antonio. Any thoughts on what you saw from him? I mean, the bounce is there. <laughs> you know, it's been great. You know, it started against that game against the Pacers. He really electrified the team and the crowd, diving all over the floor for loose balls. I just love the intensity he brings on both ends. His shot, obviously, still a work in progress, but he has been knocking down his three since he, he's been back to just some – you know, little mechanical <clears throat> tweaks, perhaps. But you yeah. got to love what he's brought to the table in his, you know, brief minutes that he's played since returning from injury. Yeah, and it's a good sign. And you're starting to realize, you see all these, uh, you know, these rookies uh, from this year, and they're all even guys that are lower than, you know, than Dante were. And you're like, man, those guys are nice. But then you start to realize what Dante DiVincenzo is on this team for. He's on this team because it's a win-now team. That's why they were comfortable taking him at 17 because he can come in, he can play some good defense, he can hit an open jump shot. Um, now, does he need to get more consistent with those things? Yes. Has he played enough games where I expect him to be consistent? No. So I think there's definitely some room for improvement, but it's a fresh body off the bench in a time where the Bucks are injured. They're They're hobbling a little bit right now. So they, you know, they need all hands on deck for this one. You know, this is the first game, the Pacers game, that is, was his first action since January 1st, since that win against Detroit. So it's been a while since the Bucks had white Dante inserted in the lineup. The big ragu, as some would call him. He is just first team all nickname. Hall of Fame, actually. I'm just having like a, like a out-of-body experience here looking at this Bucks roster on basketball reference right now. It's absolutely nuts. Like, I'm seeing Pau Gasol, Nico Miritich. I just – it still gets me to this point. Like, the the turnover that John Horst has had on this roster in the last 18 months, it's, it's unbelievable. Executive of the year, no question in my mind. I want to ask you, do you remember when Jason Kidd started DeAndre Liggins multiple times last season? It hurts. It, it does that's, hurt. <laughs> That's painful. That is that is that is some true pain right there. Um, yeah, dude, DeAndre Liggins. He, 
I don't know. I, I don't know what he's doing right now. Should I look him up? Do you want? Should yeah. I look? Should, should we look up DeAndre Liggins? Let's right see now? what he's up to. He is. Does it say? Sh- it says Cleveland Cavaliers. G League. The yeah, G League. Right. Well, yeah, that's about right. That, you're right. That is about right for DeAndre Liggins. Will well, Jason Kidd be the head coach of the Lakers? <laughs> oh, I would love to see that happen. I would totally be here for it. Let me grab my popcorn. That's some good TV, actually, because LeBron with that. I mean, let's think about Jason Kidd because did, not only was he the most questionable coach in NBA history in his time in Milwaukee, but let's for, let's not forget about that moment where he said, hit me when he was drinking his soda. Never forget. Like, it's on the Mount Rushmore of NBA moments. <laughs> and my, the Bucks traded a second round pick for him. You know what else I think goes pretty well with the Jason Kidd disaster is the trade for Grievous Vasquez with the Raptors. Wow. I was thinking about that the other week, and I had some serious, like, I had to lock myself in my closet. <laughs> I had to really think about everything that was going on because Grievous Vasquez, and people were like, that's not a bad move. And I'm like, what? <laughs> a first round pick? <laughs> Antonio Brown was traded for a three and a six. <laughs> Speaking of which, that's a steal for AB. I know we rarely touch on football except today, but you got to think you, he could fetch more. You know, obviously, I like the move for Antonio. He's, you know, trying to get his bag. I think you have to yeah. respect that. He secured the bag. And there's going to be quite a few bucks trying to uh, secure the bag this offseason as well. And I wonder. I see what you did there. I wonder how, uh, how team friendly those deals i want to i want us to play a little game here i want us to rank most likely to take a team friendly deal in your opinion between the remaining three free agents uh lopez middleton and then brogdon and i guess miritich if you would like to throw him in there but i don't know if i want he just doesn't feel like he's in that conversation yet yeah, um, between the three, I think the least likely to take a hometown discount is Chris Middleton. Give me, and then, give me your reasoning. There's going to be at least one team, who knows, could be the Bucks that goes out, backs up the Brinks truck for him and offers him, what, north of $28 million, somewhere in the 30 range. And, but don't you I mean, think I- NBA teams are getting smarter to that point, smart enough? Like, I understand, but see – there's, it's one thing if you go out and get, like, maybe a C.J. McCollum and you offer him that and stuff. But, like, I just feel like Chris Middleton – no, I'm not trying to throw shade here because that's going to sound like a little bit of shade. But I just feel like a f- organization isn't going to, like, jump to joy giving Chris Middleton – like, a fan base isn't going to jump to joy – if your team gives Chris Middleton a max, because you know what kind of perpetual basketball hell that leads you down to, right? Is, I mean, unless he's a, unless he's a number two on a team, but I don't think I don't know. Like maybe the, so I've heard the Lakers, you know. I mean the Nick, but if you could offer him a max as a two, that's one thing. But if it, someone's gonna overpay him and like say, all right, he's gonna be a one, I don't know. I don't think that's as appealing as staying in Milwaukee as a two to Chris Middleton. 
to me, I would love, you know, if I were him, stay with the Bucks, obviously, play with the best player in basketball, contend for championship in the East. Also, but he was linked. I forgot where um, I read it a few weeks ago, but he was linked to the Indiana Pacers. The NBA oh, yeah, team. yeah. The Indiana Pacers that. were linked to him. So I think he could, you know, obviously I love Chris in Milwaukee, but I think he could actually be a nice fit for the Pacers, honestly. Oh, it's alongside Victor Oladipo, absolutely. Um, and then, all right, continue. And then, I think Lopez is the most likely, and then Brogdon's right there in the middle with Middleton. With Middleton being the least, I think Lopez. Obviously, we got him for the Bucks got him for real cheap in the offseason. So and I, he it looks like he generally loves you know playing alongside Giannis and being with the Bucks just the way he speaks to the media and speaks glowingly about the Bucks. So, you know, it's not like he's in the prime of his career. No. Per se. So I think he's definitely the most likely to take a discount. And then who do you think? All right, now give me your top three most likely to resign. Hmm. Or who do you think if you said, who are you most confident it's going to return next year? One through three. Middleton, Lopez, and Brogdon. I think there's going to be a dark horse team that comes up and makes an aggressive play for Brogdon. I could see someone offering him maybe like the 16, 17 million dollar range. Because if you look at how average NBA contracts are going for even bench players, you know, Brogdon mm-hmm. is a real solid number three option. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he is. No, there's no question about that. I wonder if, I wonder. That's tough because I wonder if Brogdon necessary. Obviously, he's going to go for. I think he's going to go for the. Do you think he's going to go for the biggest payday? Well, I don't think he's that type we, of guy because I think I'm not going to say he's a system guy, but I think his attributes fit really well in Mike Budenholzer's system. Yeah, Do you think he, that they translate as well to another team? You know, it's hard to say when it, you don't. Say it a it team. really is. Yeah, it is because. He's only this is what his third season in a Bucks uniform. He was pretty, he was solid his first season, even proved even better in Jason Kidd's system last season. Now, improved even more in Bud's system. So, I think his best fit is in Milwaukee. But then again, you know, some some team offered me like 20 million dollars. I'd, you know, see you later. Yeah, that's true. But Malcolm doesn't seem to be that kind of guy. That's true. I really hope the band stays together. It's well, a fun band. It's a fun band. That's that's you know you got to build the chemistry, and I think the Bucks did did a great job of putting the right pieces in play. And you know you can't keep having this roster turnover and expect to be successful. And I like how Chris Middleton said that there are no more assholes on the team anymore. Excuse my language. No, it's fine. Hey, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna make you wash your mouth with soap or anything. <laughs> it's all gonna be all right. Um. In terms, I you know I I, I talked about uh, you know John Horst winning Executive of the Year. There's a pretty good chance that the Bucks could do a clean sweep. Yeah, there really is MVP of the big of the, year, executive, and executive of, the year. of the year. There's a there's a there's a real good chance that they could do that. Kind of scary. It really is. They're that good. Like. Would we have thought this two years ago? 
No, we need like a time hop. I need like a time hop, but like in my mind with Bucks thoughts, where I can go back and just say how disappointed I was when they were losing on a Tuesday night against Charlotte. Oh man, because <laughs> there was a lot of those. I mean, we're getting we're getting pretty nostalgic on this podcast today. You realize that, right? You know, fifty wins. I said it earlier; is a huge deal. And Bucks, some Bucks fans love to complain for a team that has fifty wins. There's a bunch of Bucks haters. They just—it's not good enough. It'll never be good enough. This, I have no. Well, obviously, I wasn't alive in the '70s, but I have no problem saying that this Bucks team is probably the best Bucks team ever assembled. Oh, there, if you look I don't at their numbers, I don't. I don't think there's a question. I, I there's no question. In Which my is mind, scary, at least because it's the there's, first year under Mike Boonhoser, and Giannis is 24 freaking years old. How about him hitting back-to-back threes on back-to-back possessions? You know um, how like you know how absolutely exhilarating that was to be as a Bucks person. <laughs> I read from a journal Sentinel, I can't recall who, but on their Twitter feed that after he made the second one over Nick Batum, he you mouthed at him, you can't guard me. So I love that little feistiness there. Well, I mean that's that's who he is becoming. And I mean, we if saw you got it, against, it, we, it you know. And we saw it against Indiana when he threw it down after getting that technical. He looked right in the ref's eye and screamed as loud as he could. And he's not afraid of anyone. You know, they make him out to be this kind of young kid who's nice and naive. And that dude is a dog. <laughs> he is. When he yeah. is out there, he is a physical. And he plays with an attitude. And he's learned that from Kobe, I think. You know, he almost does have a little Kobe Bryant attitude in him. I'm glad that Kobe, Kobe practice or workout with him didn't translate into just a bunch of freaking isolation Sorry. mid-range jumpers, a la Jason Tatum. Well, I, you know, the Bucks did so many of those last last year, so you know, it, got drained the swamp. They, 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 yeah, they got all of it taken care of last year, and. It you know I mean Chris Middleton how many how many isolation turnaway Kobe jumpers did he shoot last year Maybe, probably so, more than Kobe he's so he's so nice mid range though who Middleton yeah I love oh, it I still oh, I, yeah. I will still stand oh, yeah. for Middleton ISO mid range oh I love it but I'm saying not so, he is not necessarily good in the sense how Kobe did it though no, like every no. possession <laughs> you know what I mean <laughs> and you know there's. I kind of see a little when you talk about Boston, and I know I have a gripe with Boston. I I always throw shade at Boston because they're, they're so though. good it and they win, say. and they are. And Kyrie Irving's realizing that he can't dominate the ball like this. You know, he he's realizing that I can't dribble the ball for twenty seconds out of the shot clock for us to win, especially in the late games because they're pretty good in the beginning of the games when they're getting everyone involved, but. There comes a time where Kyrie and Al Horford shut it down and it's a pick and roll and Kyrie's going to do something with it. And that's not when they're most effective. And they're realizing that, you know, they it's talk about the plane trip. Yeah, it's a little unfortunate. They're still the fifth seed. <laughs> yeah, well, Philadelphia leapfrogged Indiana into the third seed. Indiana is kind true. of in a little bit of a funk. Understand that is true. VO. Yeah, yeah and, and it was bound to happen for yeah. them. Um, you know, but if somehow they can retain that third seed. That is a dream scenario. Really, yeah. So we're big big Pacers fans from here on out. I'm a big Pacers guy. 
<laughs> Big Pacers guys over here. There, well, bud. <laughs> previewing tomorrow's game, 5 o'clock, my time at least, against the Pelicans, AD, Giannis, that is if AD plays, who knows what his status couple, nowadays. A couple quarters, couple quarters. Maybe two and a half quarters, he feels like it. If they feel like playing him for two and a half quarters. Is Giannis going to get his smoothie tomorrow? Bigger question. He, he should be the smoothie king. I think it's only a matter of time when Anthony Davis leaves New Orleans that they will realize that New Orleans basketball is going to be perpetually bad. So if they want to market another basketball player on another team, Giannis is clearly the way to go. I mean, there's there's no other option. I mean, he is the smoothie king as of when he said that magical quote. We've come a long way. We have. And, you know, I do have a little bit of a gripe with some of these marketing people with Giannis. You know, his name isn't that hard to say. Really isn't. After it years really, of trying to pronounce it, it's really, really not that hard to say. Does every commercial have to be about his name being, you know, not easy Long, to say? Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? He's such a charismatic person, and people have such a, you know, thing about his name. And literally, you have to go to any national, like, any national show other than maybe like the jump. They talk about, or like, you know, anyone that goes out and they'll say, oh, something about his name. Or yeah, they'll like, oh, to... I can't call him. I can't call. I don't know how to say his name, so I'm just going to call him the Greek freak. It's like, are you kidding me, people? Like, all you have not... to do is tune into players only. Oh, oh just one game God. of players only. <laughs> no, I cannot do any more players only. I would do anything else. They need to, they need to fix it. I would honestly rather listen to Boston Celtics games on the Boston broadcast. All right, let's which is which is saying something. Let's not, hold on, there, buddy. <laughs> you're getting a little, you're getting a little excited over there. <laughs> no, but yeah, I don't. C Web is tough. C Web is real tough to listen to. Um, yeah, it's sad. Like all these former players are trash analysts. Look at guys. C-Web, Reggie Miller. I, I'm, not, I'm not, like, hating on, like, their knowledge of the game, but it's just their their deliveries aren't necessarily yeah. where I think it needs to be. But, hey, you know, everyone's got their own hustle. I'm not I'm not hating on them doing it. I just think they, you know, they need to work on it a little bit. Could be but, better. Yeah. Could have hired us. Yeah, good. they still can. I mean, True. who, who knows? They're, there's definitely always an opening on my book for players only, even though I'm – not a player in any sense of the imagination. So <laughs> that's all right then. Oh, come but on. Show yourself a little more love. I do also, I do want to mention that it is Mustache March and I'm fully engulfed in Mustache March as of this point. Really? Yes. I am, I am one, I, I am one, I am a brother of Enos and Stephen Adams. Me, I am third, wow. the third stash bro missing. I think we might need a photo of that. We will. We will. We'll, so. we'll get a photo. We'll do something nice. Wait a few more weeks until it's like really, really. I, I, you know, I was gonna, say, I was gonna, I was gonna, I'm going, I'm covering Wisconsin's pro day tomorrow on Wednesday. Nice. Um, so I was gonna shave it before then, and then I'm gonna be covering the Bucks game on Sunday. So, you know, I didn't think a mustache would necessarily look the best, but you know, you've done it before. So if you're giving me that blessing, then it's something I'll definitely have to consider. <laughs> good bring good luck. Who knows? That's true. All right. Well, Andrew, 
It's been absolutely awesome talking to you once again. And we want to thank everyone for listening to Bucking the Trend Pod. You can always reach to us out on Twitter at Buck the Trend Pod on Twitter. Like I said, um, Andrew is at Andrew G underscore MBA. Yes, sir. And I'm DP at DP double underscore hoops. Um, we'll be talking to you after the Pelicans game coming up um, on Tuesday. As you'll probably, most of you will probably be listening to this on Tuesday. Um, but we're out on a lot of platforms. So if you'd like to share and follow us on those, um, we're going to start, start ramping it up here as we get closer to the playoffs. And I'm excited to do so. Free DJ. Free DJ.